You're listening to sermon audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org. And so this morning, I want to talk to you about this, seeking the presence of God at the next level in your quiet time. You know, years ago, our church had three services uh, each week, and not just Baptist churches, uh, you know, Church of God, Nazarene churches, Assembly of God churches. It was a common thing uh, for churches to have three services. Usually, they were Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, right? Maybe you've attended a church in the past that had three services. We used to say three to thrive, you know, attend the three services and thrive in your Christian life. And we meant well by that. And it was a good season uh, to attend church. And we were, I was, I was faithful to be there. Many of you, I'm sure, have attended churches where you were faithful to be there for all those services. Sunday morning was kind of, they each had their own little different focus, right? Sunday morning, more evangelistic. Uh, visitors would come on Sunday morning. Families would come on Sunday morning. And it was kind of, you know, uh, the entrance to, you know, introducing the church to the community. Sunday mornings were evangelistic and very exciting. Sunday night was when the church family would just get together. Uh, and come together for usually maybe some training classes, or there might be a choir practice, or a youth meeting. And then we'd come in the auditorium, and folks that had to work in the bus ministry or other ministries would get to come to church on Sunday night and be together. And it was more inspirational and motivational and an exciting time. Then there was Wednesday night. Now, Wednesday night was more of a Bible study. It was a time when you could get together and kind of walk through in a practical way a principle in God's Word. I really... Uh, don't miss Sunday nights all that much. Uh, if you're a Kansas City fan, I'm sure you're glad we have not had. We don't have Sunday night services tonight, amen? Or who, who's Kansas City playing? The Bengals, yeah. Okay, anyway, that's what I meant, Kansas City. And uh, no, I'm just kidding. But uh, I think Sunday nights, uh, I don't miss them as much. I do miss Wednesday night. I enjoyed coming together as a church. I do miss that sometimes. That's why we have so many small groups on Wednesday night. I think it's brilliant. Because on Wednesday night, it's the middle of the week, and we even called it the midweek service. So we don't have that uh, anymore, except through our small groups. And I'm okay with that. I say I miss it because this morning, I'm going to preach something I would normally preach years ago on a Wednesday night. And, and, and I want you to listen this morning as, as we dive into Psalm 119 and other ancillary passages to discover what it means to have a quiet time. I drove the bus for the Champion Tigers this week, and I, uh, I, I, I was uh, waking up on Saturday morning to, to, uh, to, to drive them to their next game. And, and so I got up and got all my stuff ready and packed my bags and uh, got my CDL license all in my wallet, ready to go. I was going to warm the bus up. It was a cold morning. I wanted to warm that old diesel bus up so they could, it's my chance to be a servant to those kids and make sure they have everything they need. So I was excited to do it. I'm walking down the stairs. I had been spending some time that morning preparing uh, this message and some, you know, just kind of studying once again the notes that I've had for a couple of weeks and just working through it. I'm walking down the stairs to go to the bus, and this plaque is right in front of me at the hotel. A quiet time policy. I saw that thought. Thank you, Jesus. I'm preaching on quiet time this morning. What, what is all this? A, a quiet time policy at a hotel. Now, I don't know about you, but when God kind of confirms something, sometimes he does it in strange ways. For me, it's sometimes hotel plaques. <laughs> Am I weird or is that okay just to say God can work in mysterious ways, right? So I thought about a quiet time policy. 
And, and, and I want to, ins- I believe quiet time ensures for a, 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 a Christian to have an enjoyable day. I believe when you begin your day with a quiet time, there's an enjoyable day ahead of you. I, I think all Christians should, should really strictly say, look, this is something that's important to me. And, and, and then stick to it, adhere to that quiet time policy. Amen. All I'm saying is this, as we begin this study this morning, would you join me in one of the most amazing passages in all the Bible, Psalm chapter 119. We could go almost anywhere in this psalm. I mean, we could go to all 175 verses and apply it to this sermon. Although we're going to begin in verse number 97 in just a moment. Can I read a few extras to you? Would you let me do that? First of all, verse 2. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart. What about verse 9? How how can a young man keep his way pure? How can a young man avoid uh, fornication? How can a married man avoid adultery? How how can a a, a young lady avoid uh, the the, the sins that uh, so easily allure us and tempt us? By guarding it. By, by, By guarding yourself according to the word of God. Verse 11, God, I've actually stored your word up in my heart. I mean, Father, I've consistently been in the word so that as you speak to me, as you give me what I need, it's in storage, if you will, so that I might not sin against you. There's going to come a time when I need this. Verse 18, oh God, would you open my eyes? God, open my eyes that I might behold wondrous things in my devotions this morning. Verse 72, the law of your mouth. God, it's, your word is actually better to me than all the money in the world. I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather be his than have riches untold. God, your word, your law is better than thousands of gold and silver. Verse 165, God, your word gives me great peace. Great peace have those who love your word. And it's amazing, nothing can make them stumble. The King James says nothing could offend them. It is God's word that we desperately need that we might love one another, even through the difficult seasons of life. And so here we are in Psalm 119. Just let me read this passage to you. In verse 97, it contains so many of the principles I'll share with you quickly this morning as we have this Wednesday night Bible study on a Sunday morning. Verse 97, oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies. It is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers. For your testimonies, they're my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. I hold back my feet from, from every evil way. In order to keep your word, I do not turn aside from your rules, for for you've taught me. How sweet, how sweet, Jesus, are your words to my taste. Sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. May I begin this morning by making sure that everyone understands that not a word from my mouth this morning as I teach on having a next level quiet time is to make anyone feel guilty. Not at all. That's not the purpose of this message because Christianity is not a legal relationship. Christianity is a love 
relationship. People who are legalists are ne- never have the victory. This is, this is not about you saying, okay, I'm going to do this and this and this and this and this, the way that this person does it or this person does it or the way the pastor preached it this morning. Listen, 10,000 don'ts will never make you more like Jesus Christ. Now, Christianity has a lot of don'ts. And by the way, Christianity has a lot of do's. There are some don'ts. And there are some do's. But it doesn't make you more like Jesus. Because Christianity is a love relationship. And you need to spend time with Jesus. Because spending time with Jesus will allow us to become more like him. You can't love someone that you do not know, and you can't know someone that you do not spend time with. It takes time to get to know someone. I, I found out that I had a, a, a gentleman text me this week, and he said, Pastor, I really need to meet with you. And I said, sure, what, what's your best time? He said, early in the morning. I said, I'll see you in my office at this time. And he was there. And I said, what do you need? What's, what, what's, I could tell you're stressed. He said, man, I am just overloaded my work. I am working 80 hours a week. I, am, I, I have not spent enough time with my family, my wife especially, and I'm struggling. I need help. I need you to pray over me, pray with me, that I would spend more time with my wife. I could just balance my life. I just can't say no. And I said, been there. I know what you mean, man. It's difficult. It, it's convicting. And, and, and I understand why the Holy Spirit is, has nudged you to text me and come to my office so we could pray about this thing of spending time with your wife because you can't know someone you don't spend quality time with. It's so important that we understand the importance of spending time with the Lord because to know Jesus, to know Him, is to love Him. And to love Him is to trust Him. And to trust Him is to obey Him. And to obey Him is to be blessed. Oh, listen. To know him is to love him. To know Jesus is to love him. You cannot know Jesus without loving him. And you cannot truly trust someone that you do not love. And it's difficult to obey someone. In fact, one of the reasons why we disobey is we do not trust. And to obey Jesus is to be blessed because trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. And so all of this begins, all of this begins with daily communication with God. All of it does. In fact, last week, if you remember, as we closed the message, and if you didn't, this morning, I'll tell you three things, three practical things I left with this last week as we sought to seek the presence of God at the next level. Three practical things were, what do we need to do to accomplish this? Number one, we need to practice the presence of God. Practice it throughout the day. Stop. And recognize his presence. Secondly, we said that we need to have a day-long conversation with God in prayer. And thirdly, we said that we need to look into the face of God and praise him. All of those things will come out in more detail in the message this morning as we attempt to seek the presence of God at the next level in our quiet time. So I'm going to share some things. These things are things that I've learned. These are not things that will always work for you. The principles will There may be some differences in how we approach them, but I pray this morning that some of the things that I've learned in my journey in seeking the presence of God in my quiet time will potentially spill over into your life, and maybe together we can go to that next level as we seek His presence 
in our quiet time. Can I give you the first factor in seeking his presence? Number one, it's a Wednesday night. Just picture us today sitting in a more uh, casual atmosphere on a Wednesday night, just coming in from work. We're having a Bible study. First of all, you must have a proper period of time. There must be a time, intentional time. When should you have a quiet time? Well, I texted some church members this week and just polled uh, quite a few. I just texted multiple church members, and I just simply said, hey, I'm, I'm doing a poll. I just want to ask you this question. When do you have, or what is the best time for you to have your quiet time? Man, they came flooding in. As I sent them individually, ding, ding, buzz, buzz. They kept coming in. I'll read you just a few that I received from you. The earlier, the better. Someone said, give your best strength mentally, physically, and emotionally to the Lord so you can receive his strength throughout the day. Another said, I shower, I get dressed, and then start my quiet time right away before distractions start coming at me. Multiple people said this over and over again, just a simple text, morning after breakfast, morning after breakfast, morning after breakfast. Someone said, early in the morning before anyone gets up, my soul is rested and quiet. And I can hear his voice better because the roar of life's busyness has not yet begun. When should you have? What is the proper time? I think there's two keys to determining this. Number one, I think it should be the very best time. The very best time. I think God always deserves our very best. Amen. But secondly, I think it should be early in the day. I want to encourage all of us this morning to avoid giving Jesus the leftovers. My wife tells me, she, she says, honey, it's hilarious. You, you fall asleep on your way down to the pillow. In fact, sometimes, here, here's how it is in our home. When I get to bed and my wife sees me doing this, she goes, no, don't, no, no, I got to talk to you. She sees me. She, she knows it's about to happen. I mean, it's like right before my head hits the pillow, I'm gone. And so you, I can't tell you how many times, don't, don't do that. No, 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 no. I got, I got to ask you five questions. Okay, hurry up. You know, <laughs> I'm going down, sweetie. I'm going under. At the end of the day, honestly, whatever I give you is my leftovers. It's just busy. It's tough. It's a lot going on, right? And, and I have to avoid giving my family my leftovers, giving my wife my leftovers. I have to make sure when I walk through that door after a busy day that I'm in tune to, to, to being dad, to being my, uh, a husband, to, to being the leader of, of our home. And, and yet sometimes I can be guilty of giving Jesus the leftovers. When I should give Jesus the very best time. And that time should be sometime in the morning. I, I believe totally my opinion, but... If I were just giving you a suggestion, and, and that's what a lot of this is, I would suggest that it takes about 30 minutes to have a, a quality quiet time with God. Now, that could be give or take a few minutes. And, and by the way, I would say this. If you say, well, I just, you just knocked me out. Well, that's okay. Listen, sometime is better than no time. Amen? Sometime is better than no time. You can give 25, 20. You say, right, keep going, preacher. Okay, 15, uh, 10. <laughs> God will take five over zero, amen, and maybe start with five minutes. But, but if you're in a place where you could say, you know, this is important to me, man, after next week's message, I'm really interested in this and seeking the presence of God at the next level, then I have a suggestion, and it's to dedicate 30 minutes to have a quality, quiet time with God. And you got to find this time. you got to make this time. It's not just going to show up. Trust me. In studying the life of the Lord Jesus 
you find that he made time to be with the Father. He made time in the midst of a very busy ministry, in the midst of a whole lot going on in the life of Jesus Christ. As we look at his journey through the Gospels and we see his Gospel ministry for that three-year period, we sense and see and read of a, of a Jesus who, who had a lot going on. He was very busy, but he spent time, he prioritized time with the Father. Now, I suggested the morning, and you suggested the morning in your text. Why? Well, as many verses we could go to, but how about Psalm chapter 5 and verse 3, where two times in the same verse it says, Oh, Lord, in the morning, in the morning you hear my voice. Oh, Lord, in the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch. Why have it in the mornings? Because it's in the morning that we're getting ready to live the day. We're laying a foundation for the rest of the day. Oh, listen, you tune the car before you take the trip, amen? That makes sense to tune the car after you take the trip, but you tune the car before you take the trip. An athlete knows that it's the start that ensures a good finish. I mean, when you want to finish strong, you realize there's no time to waste, and a strong start usually means a better finish. Before we take the trip, we ought to study the map. Make sure we know where we're going. That's why Psalm chapter 119 verse 105 says that your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Oh, I want that road map in the beginning of the day as I navigate my way through an 8 o'clock appointment, a 9 o'clock appointment, a 10 o'clock errand, an 11 o'clock lunch, a, a 1 o'clock appointment. I want to navigate my way through that with the word of God as my lamp and my light. So there must be a proper time. And the best time seems to be in the morning. For me, it might look like this. You know, I I wake up, and by the way, it's resurrection morning every morning for me. Just so you'll know. You know, someone says, well, I'm a morning person. Well, I'm an evening person. I'm just a person. (laughs) I'm just a person. I don't know. I really don't know if I'm morning or evening. I'm not sure. I mean, I guess I could tell you one more than the other. But at the end of the day, you know, I just it takes a while for me to get the bed off my back. I'll be honest with you, man. She just don't want to come off. I mean, it's just like I get out and I'm just, I get my way. My first move is towards the coffee maker. I get over there and Carol Ann prepares it. Thank you, honey. Appreciate it. In the evening and she takes the coffee and she fills it up because me, Chloe, and and, and Carol Ann all drink it. And I pour it in there. And and then after I pour it in and put that lid down and I hear that, you know, it makes beautiful noises. Then I just start walking around the house. I just, I'm, I, I, it's not like I'm exercising. I'm just walking around saying, Lord, looking forward to kind of expecting some great things this morning from you. I can't wait to get in your word, receive something. I'm expecting God. I, I, I'm looking forward to this morning in, in Exodus or Psalms or Proverbs or Timothy, whatever it might be. I'm looking forward to it, God, expecting something great. Just want you to know I'm anticipating my time with you, God. And then I smell it. Oh, you know what I'm talking about? Anybody like the smell of coffee? I've had folks say, I don't like the taste of it. I like the smell of it. Amen. And boy, that coffee, I pour that coffee, put me a little cream in there, and, and then I, I begin to have my quiet time with God. And the longer I go, the stronger I get. I'm like a steam engine. It takes me a while to get going, but the longer I go, the stronger I get. It needs to be early. That is the best time. Make it a priority. 
prioritize quiet time with God. Don't give Jesus the leftovers. Ask God to tell you, what is that time when my mental acuity is at the highest so that I can focus and make it a matter of priority to spend time with the Lord and go to the next level in my quiet time and seeking his presence. Number two, you must make and have the proper preparation. It takes preparation to have a a really quality, quiet time, a next-level quiet time. And I think there's three things that would be included in this preparation of going to the next level. The first would be this, you must be physically alert. Now, we already talked about this just a little bit, right? I mean, you know, I I mentioned getting out of bed, and I I mentioned walking around just a little bit, and and I'm like a steam engine. I get going, and and I get that bed off my back, get that coffee, get the cobwebs out, and get the coffee in. Amen? That might be a way of saying it. Do you know what quiet time is? Quiet time is a time where I need to focus on the presence of Jesus in my life throughout the day. So I've got to be physically alert, but that's not all. I need to be morally pure and clean. Because quiet time is this. It is fellowship with a holy God. When I realize that, that I'm fellowship, and I'll come back to this a little bit more towards the end of the message, but when I understand that I'm coming into the presence of a holy God, it makes all the difference in the world. The reason why so many have a hard time of this is because they're they're, they're uncomfortable with, with, with having a quiet time because of sin in their lives, unconfessed sin. Why did Adam do what he did after he sinned? He was walking with God in the in in the garden, in the cool of the day, walking with God every morning, walking with God. But when Adam sinned, what did did Scripture say he did? He fled. He ran from his presence. Oh, can I tell you something? All of us here this morning, we're foolish to pray from a heart with unconfessed sin. Scripture clearly says in Psalm 66 and verse 18, that if I had not confessed the sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. The King James says this, the way I memorized it was, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Now, we quote the promises of God. Hey, that's a promise. I mean, that's not one we like to quote, but that is a promise of God. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. The Lord Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, verse 23, so if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, Here's what you do. Leave your gift at the altar and go. First, before anything, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Now, contextually, I realize that it's talking about the temple worship. I get that. But there's a principle here. And I think that principle applies. You can't worship God if there is a bad relationship in your heart that you need to put right. There's something you need to do before you seek the presence of God. And obviously, in seeking his presence, we can, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, we can confess our sins before the Father because he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Can I get an amen to that promise? Woo, hallelujah. I've sung a song all my life I learned when I was a kid. And often I do this as I approach his presence and in a more real and meaningful way. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart today. Try me, O oh Savior, know my thoughts, I 
pray, see if there be some wicked way in me. Cleanse me from every sin and set me free. Oh, listen. Do not let the enemy intimidate you by some failure in the past because you may, through the precious blood of Jesus Christ and by the grace of God, be clean, be free. Oh, don't let the enemy rob you of that. It's a wonderful thing to be able to spend time with Jesus, to be able to know that he gives you a clean slate every day as we confess our sins. He's faithful, he's just to forgive us of our sins. Number three. I think in order for us to be prepared, we must have, we must be mentally aware. Mentally aware. This is so important. I seem to, to mention something like this in almost every sermon I preach. In some way or another, we talk about this idea of just being engaged, focused. First Peter chapter number 1 and verse 13 says this. Therefore, preparing your minds for action... When you're preparing your, your, your thoughts for the day, when you're preparing yourself for the next 15, 18 hours, do it with a sober-mindedness. Focus. Set your hope fully. Not, not, not half-heartedly, but fully on the grace of God. I'm saying we need to be mentally aware. This is so important. Scripture talks about girding up the loins of your, of your mind. It's tough for me. Is it tough for you? Am I the only one that would say this, that my mind wants to wander off into all kinds of things? In the morning especially, I get to thinking about all that I have to do that day. My mind starts to wander off into different directions. I'm just confessing to you this morning that this is difficult for me to be preparing my mind for action, to be sober-minded, to be serious, to be eager, to be anticipating what God's going to give me. When you come to this quiet time, you've got to be expecting God is going to give you something. That's what's exciting. When you're expecting about it. Oh, I got home. I got home yesterday and uh, last night about 6.30. Caroline picked me up in Dallas so we could get home. And she brought a bus driver up there so I didn't have to get home at 2.30 in the morning. And so I thank you, Shelton, for driving last, yesterday. So Caroline and I drove all the way back. I did about 6.30. And, and uh, I, I walked in that door. And I'm going to tell you, Chloe, whoo! Hallelujah, it smelled good. I smelt your food. She had fixed a chicken with like breaded stuff and onions on the top, little crunchy onions, and then these green beans that were, oh, amazing. Are you okay? Everybody okay? Okay, I'm almost done. And green beans, okay. And then, and then a salad from your tower garden, all those, oh, it was amazing. And then rice and rice and more rice. We eat rice a lot at our house. Japanese. Anyway, and... Uh, Oh, it was amazing. I, I smelt it. I said, hey, 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 Chloe, how much longer? And she said, Daddy, it'll be, it'll be about 15 minutes. I, I need a little more time. I said, okay, just checking. It's all, just checking. Smells great. Can't wait, you know. And I'll keep walking in the kitchen. I'm looking around. And you know how it is. You just kind of like, you know, come on, let's get with that. I can't wait to taste this, you know. And finally, I heard those beautiful words, supper is ready. By that time, Darren had already come over for the Laker game, amen, and uh, oh man, uh, he, he, he knows what I'm talking about, and, and, and I, I was ready, oh, I couldn't wait to pray, and thank God for what I was expecting to be one of the most amazing meals, I can tell you, I don't know who your husband's going to be, sweetheart, but he's in for a lot of blessings, Woo! it's good food, I loved it, 
I expected it to be good. It was better than I thought. Everybody okay? When you go to the Word of God, oh, the Word of God, it's always better than you thought. It tastes better than any food you could ever eat. I mean, spending time with God, when you expect it to be great, oh, God never lets you down. Remember, seeking the presence of God at the next level requires us to realize He is here with us. And then number three, it's Wednesday night. It's simple. Remember now. Thirdly, you've got to have the proper place. You've got to have a place. In fact, in Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 6, Jesus said this, when you pray, I want you to go into your room. The King James says your closet. I think there's some significance. That word closet is kind of a cool word. But your room, your closet, shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. That word room or that word closet is this. Literally, it means this, a place of isolation. It's, it's when you are alone, somewhere where you can shut the door to the world so you can open the windows of heaven. As you study the life of Jesus, you find that Jesus sought to be alone. He did. He sought after that opportunity. Oftentimes, he would go up into a mountain to be alone. Sometimes the Bible says that Jesus would go out into the wilderness to be alone. Other times it says that Jesus would go into a garden to be alone. But when we go to this secret place, it becomes a sacred place. And this secret place is a place we avoid distractions. We avoid audible distractions and visual visual distractions. You know distractions, you know like, like, you know. I'll be right back. And all of a sudden, that pulls us away, that that phone, that email, that text message, that buzz, that sports game, who won? I went to bed before it was over, and what's in the news, or what's going on in the world today? Before long, we have lost our focus, and it's taken us away from the secret place, that place of isolation. And that's why we go to this place, because we can avoid those distractions. Some of my secret places are my couch at home. I wake up and go back to that coffee perkin and that little walk I'm doing around the living room. And then finally, I have a place on my couch. It's my secret place. It's my sacred place. It's, it's a place of isolation. It's a place that I go before anybody else gets up normally. Every now and then, Chloe will beat me. But most of the time, I'm first up. And we'll, I'll get to that little place, and I'll begin to have my quiet time with God. Another secret place that I have is in my study at my office. A lot of times, if you come into my office, you'll admire the office. Marsha Thomas remodeled it for me a couple years ago. I'm so thankful for that. It really is a comfy place. But there's another place. It's in between my office and and a bathroom, and it's, it's my quiet time place. In fact, sometimes I tell Carrie, my secretary, I tell you my secret so you'll know, Carrie, turn the light off so it won't look like I'm here, but I'm really here. And I'm just, I just need to be alone. I need to focus. I need to fix my eyes on Jesus. And sometimes I'll use that as my secret place, that little place of isolation in between an office and my restroom in, 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 at the church. Another secret place is, is West Mountain. 
I love West Mountain. I've always loved that. I don't know what it is about West Mountain. It's one of the greatest gifts Hot Springs has. You go up to the top of that mountain and you look over the city and there's something about that that brings you into a place of focus and solitude and thanksgiving for the goodness of God. It's just a beautiful place to be at the top of a mountain. Another place that I like to go is my truck. I like to park my truck at random places. In fact, if you ever see a a, a white Dodge Ram parked in some parking lot and it's just kind of under a tree or all by itself, you might say, that might be a preacher. Oftentimes after lunch, if I take somebody out, I'll go somewhere and take about 10 minutes just to just to focus and get ready for the second half of the day and just spend some time with God in my truck, maybe listening to worship music for a, just five minutes, but just a little time in isolation. Find your place, a proper place, a special place. And then number four, you must have a proper provision. Now, what I mean by provision is this, tools, tools, things that you bring with you to enhance your quiet time, to go to the next level in your quiet time. Let me give you four things to have in your quiet time. These are suggestions, that's all. I don't think the first one's much of a suggestion. I think this is kind of mandatory, but, but I'll say it's a suggestion. You need to have a study Bible. Have a study Bible in your quiet time. Now, now there's a lot of great study Bibles out there. In fact, a lot of folks ask me, hey, can you recommend a good study Bible? I mean, there's so many. ESV has a good study Bible. The NLT has a good study Bible. David Jeremiah has a good study Bible. Ch- Charles Swindoll has a good study Bible. Oftentimes, uh, men of God who have pastored for years and years and years will, will put their notes into a Bible and make it a study Bible. And, and, and I enjoy those and have several of those. Here's the truth. Get a study Bible, and when you get that study Bible, invest in it. Invest in it. You say, well, they're kind of expensive. Invest. It's a worthy investment. It's a worthy investment to have a good study Bible. But secondly, then you want to have a devotional journal. Bring this with you to your quiet time. This is where you can take a pen and put thoughts in a devotional journal that God's giving you in your quiet time regarding what God is speaking to you about. It's a beautiful thing. I can't tell you how many times I wrote down a thought for the day that God gave me for that day. And what I love about it, and I'll say this in a, in a moment at the end of the message, just real quickly, and we're actually coming to the end of the message, But I love to share some of those thoughts with people. Not sermons, not not the Greek and Hebrew, just just a thought that God gave me as I was reading my Bible that day. Something simple. And then take with you a prayer journal. People you're going to pray for. I love this. In my little prayer journal, it's simple, it's not complicated, it's not, it's probably not anything like David Livingston's or, you know, some great, it's just Erica Pacey, but it works for me. I, I love to put uh, first my, my special needs that I know I need, wisdom and power and strength and love and some of the things that, that I'm asking God to do in my own life. Pray for my family, all of my family every day. And then I take Monday through Saturday and I divide it up, divide my week up into categories. And so Monday I pray for our staff, our elders, our deacons, their wives, and our leadership team. Tuesday, I pray for our missionaries. And and then Wednesday, I'll I'll often pray for our church members. Many of you are on my Wednesday prayer list, and I call your name out. I know it's just once a week, but man, there's a lot of names in my life, and so I have to compartmentalize just a little bit to have an effective quality prayer time with God. And then I'll pray for our nation and our government officials, our president, our vice president, our elected congressmen and senators in our state and even our local mayor and, 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 and city manager. And, and I'll pray for their, them by name so that when I see them in town, I can say, hey, I prayed for you this week. I told Bill Boros that just the other day. He thanked me. I'm glad I could do that. 
But it takes intentionality. And this prayer journal is something I take with me to my quiet time. And I mentioned 30 minutes. It's not something I can oftentimes spend a lot of time in. But if I have a time with God that I can have a prayer journal and a devotional journal, a study Bible, here's a fourth thing that I could have with me. And finally, is review your daily calendar in your quiet time. I love this. I love looking at my day in the beginning of the day. I love it. Maybe I'm just weird, but I like looking at all the things I've got going on that day and praying through them and for them and saying, okay, got a busy day today, but God, you know that. You, you, I want you to go before me, prepare hearts, prepare conversations. God, help me not to get distracted. And Lord, when there's an appointment that's more important than something, help me not to be afraid to, to get that in as well. Lord, just give me wisdom and direction as I pray through my daily calendar in the mornings. Now, there's many other tools, church. You can have a a dictionary, a concordance. You can have all kinds of books, but that's not quiet time. This is not about going deep into the Greek or the Hebrew or, or preparing a sermon or a lesson. That, that's not what I'm talking about. This is getting to know God personally. It's different. And there's times for that, and I, and I do that, but, but this is a little different than that. Have the proper provision. Then finally, in closing, have the proper procedure. These are specific things I want to mention to you in closing that are so helpful. So jot these down. Number one, the first procedure I think that we all need to do is be still. Be still and quiet before the Lord. That's the first thing you want to do. Take a deep breath and recognize his presence. Know he is here. I think Psalm 46 verse 10 puts it best when it says, Be still and know that I am God. Just be still. And know that he is God. Oftentimes, I have to do that when I come into the service this morning. And, and I, I did. I had a little bit more going on this morning than I like to have going on before I got to the building. But you know, it was amazing. When we sang that song, The Battle Belongs to the Lord. Man, the Holy Spirit came over me. And when we got to that place, I fight on my knees with my hand lifted high. I thought, I'm, 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 I'm dialed in. I'm dialed in. I needed this just to focus and be still and, 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 and to get in, in, this potential, in this situation in the service just to get dialed into the worship. But in the mornings, it's dialed into my devotions. And I do that by being still and quiet before the Lord. Fix and focus my mind on Him. I calm down. I relax. I take a deep breath. I recognize His presence. I love that old, old ancient hymn. Come thou fount of every blessing. Tune my heart Tune my heart, tune my heart, tune my heart to sing thy praise, grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing, call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious sonnet sung by flaming tongues above. Praise the mount I'm fixed. I'm fixed upon it. I'm fixed. I'm dialed in. I'm tuned up. I want to hear from you, God. Mount of thy redeeming love. Oh, listen, before you do anything, tune your heart to hear from God. I've had the privilege of being alone with a lot of incredible people. The three I'd like to mention this morning that I think are my top three would be, honey, the time we got to eat dinner with Adrian and Joyce Rogers. That was the coolest thing ever. 
For many of you that know me know that I, I, I admired his ministry at Bellevue in Memphis. And we, we went up to Sevierville, Tennessee, and we got to eat a, a dinner with, with Adrian and Joyce Rogers. It was, I was so scared and nervous, but it was so awesome to be in, in, in a, just kind of alone with that guy. I never forget the phone call I had with Jerry Falwell about getting these buildings. And I, I was advised to call Jerry Falwell and get his advice because he's in Lynchburg, Virginia. And much of what has happened at Liberty with properties, I felt he would understand and give me good advice. And so when I called the number they said to call and he picked up, hello, Jerry Falwell, can I help you? I remember thinking, uh, uh, yeah, is this his secretary? No, this is, this is him. I'm like, oh my goodness. I'm, I'm having a private conversation with Jerry Falls. Pretty cool. I remember Lee Robertson, Miss Yoshida, coming to your house with your husband and me and others. And we sat around that table with Dr. Robertson when he was over 90 years of age and giving us wisdom. It's pretty cool. I've got to be alone with some pretty cool people. But we're talking about being alone with God. Standing here. In your presence, in a grace so relentless. His perfect love is overwhelming. It can't compare to any time alone with anybody else in my entire lifetime. To be alone with God, that's what he's invited us to do. That's next level. So be quiet. Listen to his voice. Take a deep breath. Focus your thoughts on him. And when you're alone with him, could I encourage you to do something that Scripture teaches us to do? And I'll give it to you just in really quick, quickly three things to do as you stand before him. I have found, as we sung this morning, when I fight, I fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. When you are alone with God, try this, lift your hands in praise. Lift your hands in praise. Just open up and just, you're alone, it's just you and God. I know we don't always feel comfortable lifting our hands in the congregation. I get it. And there's a lot of different reasons. And I'm not for or against her. I think it's okay. I think if you don't, it's fine. I mean, that's not what this is about. No guilt, as we mentioned earlier in this message. But I do believe when we're alone with God, it's a beautiful time. And Scripture teaches us in those moments that there's some kind of significance to lifting our hands. First of all, in praise. Second of all, lift your hands in surrender. Surrender, just I am yours, God. You are mine. You've captured me. I want, I want you to have all of me, God. Tune my heart, God. Tune my heart to sing your praise. I don't want to hold anything back, God. I'm not covering anything up. I've exposed my sin this morning. I've asked you to forgive me, God. You promised me you would. Now, God, tune my heart that my life today would be a light to those around me. And then lift your hands and surrender. Thirdly, lift your hands to receive. Oh, God, my name is Jimmy. I'll take all you give me. God, give me whatever I need today to make it through this day. I know I don't have enough strength. I don't have enough wisdom. I don't have enough power. I don't have enough. I just don't have it, God, but you do. And your Holy Spirit lives inside of me. And you said greater works than these can I do if if I go to the Father. And so, Father, I'm going to you right now because there's a lot going on today. And I need you, Father. And so today, God, I lift my hands to receive an expectation that this day is going to be amazing. It's going to be the best day of my life. God, help me. Whatever comes my way, Lord, I receive your, your strength today. I think about Psalm 134, verse 2. Lift up your hands in the holy place and bless the Lord. Job eleven thirteen. If you prepare your heart, if you do this, you will stretch out your hands toward him. 
Lamentations 2.19, arise, arise, cry out in the night. At the beginning of the night watches, pour out your heart like water before the presence of the Lord. Lift up your hands to him for the lives of your children. Oh God, I can't, I don't have what it takes to parent. I don't have what it takes to grandparent. I don't have what it takes to raise a kid in a crazy world this is. I don't know what they're going to face today at school. I don't know what they're going to face today at work. But God, I know that you do. Help me, God. I lift up my children to you. Protect them, God. Provide for them. Help me to know what to do, when to do it, how to do it in the right spirit. Number two, get into the word of God. After you've been, you're still and quiet before him, read the word first. In fact, here's a suggestion. I always like to preface it by saying suggestion because I definitely don't want anyone to think that this is, this is you know, I, I don't know that I could give you a verse on this one, but I believe that you should read your Bible first and then pray. That's my suggestion. I say I believe. I suggest. And I say that because of this. It's more important for you to hear from God than for God to hear from you. God knows all about you. He knows all about you, but you and I need to know more about him. And so when we spend time in his word first, and we hear from God, and and, and we learn from God, listen, we know more about him so that we can love him more and, and know him more. So I suggest, first of all, getting into the word of God. And by the way, when you read your Bible, read for quality, not necessarily quantity. Read for quality. Here's what I mean by that. It's okay to read your Bible through in a year. I'm doing that again this year, but I haven't read my Bible through in a year in about six years. I just haven't. And and, and not because, I think because I was getting out of legalism, of reading it out of guilt. Anybody ever been there? Anybody? Okay, I have. Maybe five or six of us. I've been there. I've I've read the Bible out of guilt before. Like, I got to get this done because, you know, so-and-so read it 20 times this year, and I'm I'm not a good Christian if I don't read it. I went through all that. So I I said, you know what? Forget the reading Bible through in a year. I don't want to get caught up in that. I'm doing it again this year because I think God's given me the victory over legalism. It doesn't give victory. I'm in a love relationship with Jesus. He loves me if I read my Bible through in a year or not. Amen? But I don't necessarily think that reading your Bible through in a year is, that's quantity oftentimes. Quality is this. It may just be that I read one verse. One verse. And say, God, I'm going to meditate on this. This is rich. This is powerful. This is so important. I'm gonna, I need to spend some time this morning with you and have you show me in your word what it is that I need to learn from this one verse. Other times, read through the Old Testament. Read through the New Testament. Balance in your reading. Read through the book of Psalms where God teaches you how to worship and he encourages you in that book. Also, read from the book of Proverbs where you'll, you'll be given wisdom. It's an amazing book of the Bible. Number four, after you've done those things, then meditate on what you are reading from the Bible. Meditate. Think about it. Take some time. Instead of just reading it, let the Word of God permeate. Let it settle in. Amen? There's nothing like if you've never had good red gravy. You know what red gravy is? That's spaghetti sauce said right. By the way, if anybody ever tells you we're having red gravy tonight, you know it's going to be good because that's a real Italian. Italians don't say spaghetti sauce. Italians say red gravy because I is one. And my mother used to, she used to let that red gravy sizzle for 10 hours. It, it, was, it was excruciating for people in the house. I'm just like, it drives you crazy. Mom, when can we have it? It's nine, one more hour. No, I'm not letting, no, no. We got to, it needs another hour. What's an hour? It's been nine hours on the, 
you know, no, no. And she was right. I mean, it's the greatest meal I've ever eaten in my life. Still is today. Sorry, honey. It just is. It's the greatest meal. I've never had a meal like my mother's red gravy. But I will tell you this. When you let the Word of God permeate, when you let it sizzle, when you let it really just sink in, oh, something about that. Not always quality, quantity, but quality is the key. Meditate on the Word of God. Think about it. Let the Word of God permeate. Here's what Adrian Rogers gave me at that conference we went to, honey. Five questions to ask in the, for the Bible to burst a flame in your heart. Number one, he said, is there a command to obey? Ask yourself that question as you let the Word of God permeate. Is there a command here to obey? Oftentimes, you'll find there is. Number two, is there a promise to claim? Oh, listen, this is the one that I found is more effective than any other question I could ask myself as I read Scripture. Is there a promise? Thirdly, he said, is there a sin to avoid? As I read through Scripture, is is Jesus teaching me here, this is a sin and I need to avoid it? Another question is this, is there a lesson to learn? And then finally, is there a new truth that I can carry with me throughout this day? And then number five, share what you have learned with others. You know what the Bible says? Exhort one another. Exhort one another. So Don, sometimes you should walk up to me in the hallway and say, Preacher, can I show you something? Real quick, got three minutes. Uh, three seconds, actually. Uh, Ten seconds. Fifteen seconds. Twenty seconds. Hey, you got a, a minute? Could I show you something I found? It? And this oftentimes will be that devotional journal that I was telling you about where you wrote something down. Man, I love this stuff. Sometimes Scott Mercer will burst in my office and he'll have this big smile on his face. All right, you got a minute, Preacher? I got to show you something, right, Scott? I love it. Don't ever stop doing that. And I don't want to ever stop having a minute because I need that. And we need it. We need to exhort one another. And if God's given you something incredible, text me. Say, hey, when you got time, read this. Incredible. God gave me this this morning. Share it with each other. Once a month, once a week, once every now and then. Share what you've learned with someone else. And then finally, and I'm done. Finally, here's the proper procedure. Obey. Obey what God tells you. Obey what God tells you. Listen, church, learn to obey the word of God. And when you fail to obey it, learn to confess it. Amen? Learn to confess it. We talked about that. You say, well, I don't want to, I mean, I, I fail a lot. That's okay, I fail a lot too. I do. I fail almost every day, if not every day. But I'm grateful today for First John 1, 9 that we quoted a moment ago. Learn to obey the word of God. Now I'm going to close with this. Preacher. All right, Wednesday night's over. Normally, we wouldn't even have a worship song. We used to, Wednesday nights, we'd just pray and go home, but we're going to have a response. Now, let's go back to Sunday morning. You ready? We're back on Sunday morning. Preacher. All right. So, we're done with January. Yep, we're done. So, we're moving on. The opportunity to grow is always before us. We are. All right, preacher. So, if I'm going to seek the presence of God at the next level in my quiet time, I have a question for you. If I do these things... Will it actually work? Will I have a dynamic life with God? Will will there be a dramatic change? I can't make that promise. I can't. In in fact, I don't know that there will be a dramatic change if you begin to do this. But I can tell you this. If you seek the presence of God regularly in a secret place and let him feed your soul, it'll change you day by day into the likeness of Jesus Christ, Jason, day by day, day by day, and with each passing moment, 
just day by day, one day at a time. You know what? I'm 57, and he's still working on me. I've not arrived. We said that week one. I'm still pressing toward the mark for the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Sometimes I'll fall and have to get back up and confess my sins, but he's always been faithful and just to forgive me. And I just get up and have the devotions the next day. And sometimes I go through the whole day and think, well, man, none of that really, I didn't really need that. And then a month later, I'll be like, wow, I'm glad I stored that up because I needed that today to help me to walk with God today. I can't promise a dramatic change, but I can tell you this. Day by day, you'll become more like Jesus. It's amazing. It's just having a quiet time with God consistently. Don't, don't, don't make it mechanical. Don't, don't avoid making it, you know, a duty, but a delight. And when you come into the presence of God, remember, it's, it's a holy God, and, and He's there, and He's with you. There's nothing that can compare. I don't stand in front of you this morning as a paragon of excellence in this area. Follow me as I follow Christ. Beware of that deep voice. It's usually lying to you. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Convicted the whole time I prepared this message, Kevin, to be honest, that I'm not, I'm not batting a thousand. I, I, need, I, I need God to help me with this. So I figured if I needed it, maybe you needed it, and we could need it together so we could go to the next level in our quiet time with God as we seek his presence. Let's bow for prayer, shall we? With heads bowed and eyes closed, if there's anyone here today that has never come into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you've never really experienced the presence of God in a way that has radically transformed your life and salvation, then I would encourage you in just a moment to take a moment to acknowledge that you're a sinner. If you know that, if if that's been revealed to you, if you know you're a sinner, acknowledge that. And then as you do that, would you then take a moment to understand what Jesus Christ has done for you on the cross? He's paid the penalty for your sin. He died on the cross. His precious blood has paid a ransom for your sin. And today you can receive him and be saved today, right where you're sitting, right where you're standing. In just a moment, if you'd like to come and make that public or if you'd like someone to pray with you or if you have more questions We'll be here after the service, but don't leave without doing that business with God. And then others that may need to come and pray, the altars will be open. We'll sing a couple of worship songs and just be in his presence together. May this be, for the next few moments, an opportunity for us to stand in the presence of God and just receive this truth. Father, I love you. I thank you so much for these dear people. God, I'm so grateful today for this journey of faith and growth. Lord, thank you for bringing me, Lord, to a place even this morning where I can, in a transparent way, share, share with the church the battles that I have fought on my knees. And God, this morning, I just need you, God, more than I've ever needed you before. And I pray, God, that you would help all of us to seek your presence at the next level in 2023. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. Thank you for loving us. There's no love like your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand, shall we?